Welcome to What's Next. Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. I'm Tim Venable, and joining me for this edition is Zane Jaffer, a venture capitalist, real estate investor, and former tech entrepreneur who sold his last company to Blackstone for $780 million. Zane runs his own family office where he invests in tech startups and has a portfolio of real estate projects throughout the U.S. Zane, thanks for talking with Corning Global. Good to be on the show. Thank you so much. You've recently written an article for Cornet Global on the changing role of sustainability within the commercial real estate industry. Can you discuss that here? Yeah, my article is actually titled One Last Second Chance, and it's about how we get out of this mess we're in. This pandemic has absolutely turned commercial real estate on its head. We're here presently scrambling, trying to figure out what's ahead. The biggest issue now is how we reintroduce people back to their work and how we do that in a way that puts safety first. And when we talk about safety, we're really talking about defending against an invisible biological threat, a virus here that's claimed 700,000 lives and be on pace to kill millions. And that's with a plural, especially if we get this wrong. You know, there's people who listen to this podcast who are tasked with figuring out exactly how we reintroduce people back to work safely and what that means for commercial real estate. And that's a serious responsibility. It's one last second chance. So the major thing to think about in creating a sustainable tenancy is that people are currently working from home and it's actually working well. You know, McKinsey uh, polled people, did a survey, and they found that 80% of people are enjoying working from home. 69% of people as well are productive or even more productive than they were being in an office. So the question here is why do we need an office and is this the end of the office? You know, we've been quick to adapt. Fortunately, this happened at a time when technology is around us and structure does exist where people can use remote work collaboration software, teleconferencing, and people have set up home offices. And I know there were headaches at the start. I mean, myself, I was trying to figure out how do I print this? How do I scan this? I can't even get to Costco to buy a printer or a scanner. How do I handle my two kids running around or you know, a dog barking loudly, but we've made it work. And that's the grand reality, the status quo, so to speak, that employees are working from home and they're enjoying it. And if that's the case, how do you entice them to get back into the office? How can you convince someone to commute to work, to enter the space and risk exposing themselves? Is it even worth it? What about the benefit of being able to spend time with their family? work their own schedule and the benefit here too is a lot of people are sleep deprived they're overworking and that's not the case when you're working from your own home so my article really addresses these issues it's the fact that we need to rethink the nature of the office we need to put sustainability first the key points are change your layout so you have more space per employee implement technology so it's safe to go back to work Focus more on perks and amenities to keep people happy and also make every change as visible as you can, even if that means 
cleaning staff or you know being a tech guy have robots and communicate your sustainability plan in clear and easy to understand ways okay excellent thoughts and ideas there thank you what other kinds of developments and shifts uh, zane have you seen in commercial real estate spurred by this coronavirus yeah so you know, commercial real estate has been flipped upside down and i'll, I'll give you the investor's perspective and, and to put it in context a bit about me I, I made money in tech and now i run my own family office where i manage my own portfolio and um part of that is real estate funds like blackstone and bridge but also i have my own direct portfolio so here's what i'm seeing uh, first, think about all the different asset classes in commercial real estate. I, I break it down, uh, industrial, like warehouses, you have multifamily, apartment buildings, hospitality, like hotels, and then you've also got senior care, which will be a big one, um, office, which has been hit a lot, student housing and retail. So let, let's dive into these. Industrial, um, I think it's definitely the strongest category. Coronavirus has actually helped the industrial space a lot especially with uh, more people using online delivery and with supply chains being hit around the globe, uh, there's more demand for our warehousing space. So the, honestly, there's been outstanding returns on the private equity side, investing in an uh, industrial. Uh, multifamily is a strong category, but I'm personally surprised at how strong and resilient it's been. Um, it's strong. Uh, the groups I talk with, they're constantly getting outbid. Cap rates are still very low. Rent collections are healthy. And I do think that there are headwinds coming up for sure. We're in the midst of the pandemic. Who knows how this is going to unfold? Uh, also, you know, from personal experience, I've got my own portfolio, for example, of single family rentals in San Francisco, and they're getting hit a lot. So I think that's the nature of uh, multifamily. It's dependent on the location. SF has a lot of people that are definitely working from home. It's a tech place, but other regions around the US uh, or even around the globe are doing differently. Hospitality, um, I mean, that's taken a big hit. Vacancy rates are about 25% across the board. I think fundamentals are, are moderate. Um, when COVID is in the rearview mirror, which means having a vaccine or developing herd immunity, I'm sure there'll be a flood of events and travel but there are still fundamental headwinds facing the hotel sector, especially from you know, disruptors like Airbnb. And then, you know, when you look at senior care, it's got a bad rep. I mean, the biggest casualties in coronavirus have come from senior care facilities. And there are true horror stories out there that, that break my heart. But from an investment perspective, occupancy is still good. Fundamentals are moderate. But, you know, extreme pressure right now with coronavirus. Um, this is an industry where the operators have to address safety. And, you know, with, with a, a growing population and other solutions like remote care, remote uh, or home health, it, it's, uh, it's a neutral area, in my view, with senior care. Student housing, obviously, that's getting hit hard now, but schools may reopen up. We'll see what happens. People are hesitant to sign uh, long-term leases. Uh, long term here really being the school year, uh, people are embracing online learning. Um, it's a good long term theme. I don't see universities disappearing. I think online learning is here, but um, university is also place. And that brings us to the two segments that are probably being hit the hardest: office and retail. Office, which my article really centers on, uh, 
quite weak. You know, there are uh, huge losses for a lot of um, office uh, operators and landlords, very low occupancies because people are working from home. Uh, I don't think the office is dead, but I do think we're going to have to reimagine what the office looks like in the future. And then retail, my God, that's the weakest category. I mean, that category was facing headwinds fundamentally uh, with online shopping, for example, and, and a lot of retailers are not going to survive this. They're the biggest casualties here. And even when we open up, it's going to be slow. How are we going to adhere to social distancing? Um, that's going to crush sales when it comes to how retail looks. Uh, unless you're, you know, outdoor dining or you have an anchor tenant like a grocery store, this industry is in huge trouble. But with trouble comes innovation. I, I just heard today some uh, large shopping malls are actually taking the parking lots and renting them out, perhaps uh, outdoor movie theaters. So retail is going to change and technology is going to be at the center, especially in retail or what happens in that sector. Okay, very interesting. I imagine your perspective as a tech entrepreneur makes you view commercial real estate challenges differently. What is your perspective on the future of commercial real estate? You've touched on this already, but further thoughts? Yeah, you know, this is the most exciting time in the world to launch a startup in the real estate industry. Tech is going to disrupt real estate and it's going to change it so many times over. For sure, I think the next trillion dollar company is definitely going to come from prop tech, which is technology within the, the real estate industry. I mean, real estate is, after all, the world's largest asset class. And there's just so many opportunities to implement technology. You can use it to squeeze efficiencies. You can improve the experience of the asset itself and obviously make everything more transparent. So I'm quite surprised that real estate overall has been slow to adopt technology. But I think COVID is making us reconsider what real estate actually means. There was already an explosion of data you know, with the rise of digital tools, connected devices, big data techniques. There's been a lot of non-standard high-frequency data, all in real time and very accurate too, by the way. And now and now, uh, there's more data emerging around health, mobility, space usage within real estate. And I think that's going to be very important as we think about reopening up the economy and how we get people back into the office. You know, my family office is investing aggressively in PropTech. Uh, the type of companies that excite me must have a big data component to what they do. And I'm looking for opportunities that I think will actually do well with COVID and hopefully COVID accelerates their adoption. Um, you know, there's many things disrupting commercial real estate. I think what's most interesting for uh, your listeners is the concept of smart buildings. This is really about how we use data to automate everything inside and also how we improve the experience for tenants or even the users themselves. You know, there's one company that comes to mind that's super interesting for me that uh, I'm actually investing in. Uh, O.Vision, literally, www.o.vision. And what I like about these guys, especially with the office industry, is started off in Europe. These guys went to uh, my old university uh, at UCL, where I'm a guest lecturer. And these guys um, had a good idea before COVID happened, where you replaced the turnstiles or key cards. You know, employees need to access buildings. So these guys built a camera device with a temperature sensor. And that can scan your face with using machine learning in just like 0.2 seconds, recognize who you are, let you into the building, check your temperature to make sure it's safe. So it's contactless technology, which is a big win. 
And they're seeing a lot of adoption in office buildings throughout Europe. I'm literally dragging them out to the US market, telling them to move over here, set things up, get some customers. Um, but the US needs this. We have absurdly high COVID cases and we don't have a solution to get back to work safely. We're scrambling, like I said at the beginning of the podcast. So, um, you know, you can see how Odot Vision creates a powerful and safe experience the moment you enter the building. But what happens once you're inside the building? How do we ensure that our building stays safe and sustainable? So, you know, in this area, we, there's a lot of emerging technologies that I'm interested in too, and I think uh, the real estate industry is going to adopt. Um, I mean, let's look at air pollution itself. You know, there's another technology now to report on air temperature and air quality. There's a whole host of uh, air purifiers and air, filter, air, filter, air filtration technologies. That's quite a tongue twister there. Um, that can clean the air. They can get rid of bad pathogens. You know, I, I've got hay fever, so I'm allergic to pollen. I have a, an air purifier in my house, and it works great. I don't have to take my daily dose of claritin as much anymore. Um, so it's good, you know, um, especially, uh, you know, people are probably going to want to bring their pets to the office. That's something I see a lot. So that's good to have an air purifier there, too, for... Uh, Cleaning up pet hair and air pollutants. Um, another good theme, I think, is robotics. Um, you know, using robotics to even clean your space. That's a big theme moving forwards. Using smart devices. We're seeing connected devices in our homes today. I'm sure many people have a Nest device or Google Home. I think uh, that whole automation there is going to be great. How you can uh, change the ambience of your environment. You know, change the lighting, change the music, automate everything around you. In, in an office context, that might have really good implications in a meditation room or, or nap pods or whatever can be implemented to improve the overall experience. A good company to watch out for is Microsoft. They're a leader in the uh, contactless, uh, not contactless, the connected device space, smart homes, smart offices. Uh, so definitely good to see what they're doing. You know, there's, there's a funny example I have actually, one that I've always thought about even pre-COVID. Think about the office buildings. Why are toilets in office buildings so out of date? Um, literally the only HQ I've seen that has the most toilet experience, if you want to call it that, is Google. <laughs> these toilets. Uh, I've always found it kind of gross. When you go to a, a toilet and you have to open the door, you, you have to actually put your hand on the sink to clean your hands, and then you have to put your hand on the, head, uh, on the hand drying thing. All of that should be contactless. And I think that's where the world is heading. Um, you know, I, I love it when I go to a place where the door opens automatically, where I don't have to actually touch the tap. Now, this is even more important today with COVID, where we're trying to limit our exposure to whatever's out there and make things more contactless. You know, I just bought a, a Japanese toilet, actually, my own home, $1,000 off of Amazon, and it's amazing. You, you walk in, this toilet seat literally opens up to greet you, <laughs> the lid opens up, it has a washing function, a dryer. It flushes the moment you leave it. Uh, it actually sends like an air deodorant out. It has a cool LED light. I mean, there's so much technology. And the great thing is it's it's more energy efficient than how we currently use things. So, you know, that's just a, a funny example of the toilet. But being serious here, uh, the office of the future uh, is going to look very different. PropTech is going to be disruptive. And I think it's a, a good opportunity now for... Um, your listeners to think about how to implement technology as we get people back into the office. Okay. <laughs> Some amazing things uh, on the horizon and even here already. Fantastic. In your article, Zane, you talk about environmental issues as they relate to COVID-19. 
how are those two related and, and why is it important? Yeah, you know, COVID um, pretty much forced our planet to go into detox mode. It's crazy. I mean, the beginning of the pandemic, we were on lockdown. You could actually see clear skies. There was more wildlife. You could hear birds. You could see stars in the sky. Even from the moon, the earth looked dramatically different. And that's disgusting to say that, right? That it looked different because that's how much air pollution has been. And what's sad now is that as we, as we do a, an attempt to reopen up and manufacturing resumes and the world reopens, pollution levels are only 5% below where they were last year. And that's not good enough. We're harming our planet. We need to be responsible for the next generation, our children. Either, as I said, a detox. What we know is that climate change alters uh, everything around us, entire ecosystems. Our actions even affect other species and animals. Think about it. As the planet heats up, animals on land and in the sea are headed to colder climates to get out of the heat. Deforestation. I mean, we're cutting down forests. Where are animals going to go? They're going to lose their habitats. They're going to come into contact with other animals they normally wouldn't. And that creates an opportunity for pathogens to get into new hosts. And then there's also the issue with uh, quality itself and pollution. Harvard uh, found a lot of link between air pollution and the severity of COVID-related issues and illnesses. And then, of course, look at ourselves. Our own actions impact our neighbors. This is, after all, a human-to-human -human transmitted disease at this point. How we respect social distance, how we... How we comply with the guidelines is critical. And, you know, when, when it comes to uh, companies here, it, it's a slow process. It's slower than, um, you know, all of us would like. But the key factors here in changing the environment are the companies themselves. Companies, as I said, have had a lot of pressure. They've made unwavering commitments, and they now need to be accountable. Shareholders, customers, employees. We all want to see that this isn't just lip service, that the companies themselves are doing things to reduce their carbon footprint, are running activities and initiatives to help with the environment. And I think COVID is forcing us now. Um, so it's important that landlords and investors understand how important this is. And I think your listeners need to uh, make it a top priority and pressure landlords. You know, tenants are already asking for... Uh, the GRESB, the Global Real Estate Sustainability Benchmarks, or, or ensuring buildings are well certified. And by the way, I think the well is just amazing. Just Google it, you know, W-E-L-L -E -E on Google. Um, it's got a great framework there. I think they've got about 10 different factors. Everything from ensuring the water is clean, to ensuring that trees have access to healthy fruits and vegetables, the, you know, that the air is good, the way the movement happens of people. Um, is, is a way that's conducive and helpful. So I think it's a great framework, and I think COVID is forcing us to uh, um, demand more and do more for the environment. Okay, so important. You know, most people think of real estate as dealing in buildings or land, such as houses, apartment buildings, malls, office buildings, and so on. But in your article, you highlight the importance of people as part of that equation. Why is that such an important consideration? Yeah, like that, that's the key here. I think it's been such a transactional industry. Talking as an investor here, we get obsessed with metrics. We're trying to improve returns for, uh, you know, LPs or investors. Uh, historically, the focus has been on metrics like improving revenue per desk or, or 
you know, squeezing more dollars out of the square feet that you have. I mean, there's entire startups focused on maximizing space utilization and space occupied occupancy. Uh, there was a trend before where employees had more space. I think it was about 250 square feet per employee. We've seen the um, densification happen here where it's now down to 150. I think COVID is actually going to cause a reversal of this densification trend. Um, but look, to address the question, real estate is just buildings. But we need to look beyond the building. We need to look at the occupants, the tenants. We need to consider the health and well-being of the people inside these buildings. We need to rethink of real estate for really what it is, a space for people. People also don't need to be in the office all the time. That sounded like a radical idea at the start of this pandemic. I mean, what we've been talking about working from home for two decades now, and it's been right. just two months of the coronavirus to make this happen. Um, maybe it's an opportunity to rethink how people use spaces. Maybe people come in towards the early part of the day and work remotely later, or maybe uh, you're physically collated for initial planning phases of a project, but you work remotely for execution. Uh, if we go back to what I said earlier on, people are enjoying working from home and they are more productive. If we're going to reopen the office, we need to replicate this environment. We need to make it easy for employees to have outdoor breaks and green areas. So moving forwards, uh, investing in shared common areas is going to be important and it's painful right now. You know, it doesn't really seem financially um, wise to invest in shared spaces when we're in the middle of COVID and you can't even use these shared spaces. But long term, it's the best thing to do. You know, having more sit and workstations, areas to relax, better higher tech facilities, uh, places to work out even, even if it means larger space for less people, that's what we need to do. We need to flip the dynamics of the industry, which is a big change in today. You know, I... I've been to offices and I've seen cubicles designed to literally chain you to your desk. And hopefully our listeners here, we're the last generation to even understand the concept of a cubicle. Hopefully in the future, the concept of a cubicle will be like a horse cart versus a high powered Tesla Cybertruck. You know, <laughs> cubicles go away and that we rethink how offices are. You know, the, the final point I'll make here is that some companies are going to have an easier time adjusting than others. This is a cultural shift that needs to happen. You know, I'm here and I'm preaching, but I ran a tech startup in Silicon Valley for years, and I was competing for talent against companies like Google, like Apple, like Twitter. And these guys created a phenomenal work environment. And it forced our little startups around here to compete, to create a better work environment. I mean, the amount of times that interviews come on, literally, you know, I get interview questions like, you know, we get our laundry picked up at Google. Will you will you do that for us? We get we get insight massages at Facebook. I can take my scooter to work. And it's, oh, wow. you know, it sounded ridiculous that you know I'm trying to get my company off the ground, and I, I'm getting people asking me about this level of perks. But being serious here for a moment, there needs to be a cultural change, uh, and I experienced the challenge of this. Um, you know, the, the HR folks who are listening are probably going to be amused because often, you know, the CEO wants to create a great work environment and it really feels like the CEO and the HR department align on making a great environment and then the major pushback comes from the CFO or CEO. You know, it's nice to have these things, but let's focus on squeezing more efficiency out. 
Um, right. You know, I, I faced it myself uh, when I ran a tech company. When I hired experienced executives, um, the feedback was, "We don't need these perks. Let's just focus on on you know survival and getting things done." But you know, this is really society's last second chance to do what's right with respect to climate change. I don't like the metrics. I don't like how the chart looks. Uh, it slowed down because of COVID. I wanted to get better, but also it's one last second chance for many of your listeners who want to retain talent, who want to create a better culture for fostering productivity. And to do that, we need to think about our office and what it means, how we reintroduce people back to work, and how we do it in a safe and sustainable way. Okay, great points there. Thank you. And now for my last question, Zane, and I think you've touched on this some already, but how do health and sustainability and and the people uh, point factor into the thinking and the real estate strategy of big corporate occupiers today? Yeah, so look, big corporate occupiers, firstly, have a lot of leverage. Use that leverage when you're talking to uh, the landlords. Think about the improvement budget that you usually get when you're buying space. Um, now, I think the focus needs to be when it comes to the environment on making sure the environment is safe and healthy. Think about even the air in the office space. Think about the entry points or access control systems. Make sure you are doing everything you can to think of your space in the container. So I've got this idea of this concept, right? The outside world is dangerous. But once they step into your world, your office, it's a safe container. So do everything you can to make sure when people from the outside come into your space, you've screened them, that they're healthy. And once they're inside the safe container of yours, they can truly be productive, that there are uh, a lot of, um, you know, amenities around and perks around, and that you also rethink the nature of what the office space is and how it complements other strategies like working from home and, you know, think about remote work, think about flexible working hours. And I think the large companies are very well equipped to deal with this. Being a large company, I assume you're going to have multinational operations, offices around the world. You have systems. Um, this is a time to really go back to the drawing board and rethink everything. You know, McKinsey published a great, great report. It was really about the four steps to reimagining work and workplaces. And something that I really like in there is that they talk about go back to the drawing board and rethink about all processes in your company from the very way people convene a meeting, the very way they brainstorm on a whiteboard. Now it's going to be a digital whiteboard. How tasks are assigned. There's going to be task management software, asynchronous brainstorming with teams on a digital channel. So I, I think um, you know the larger companies are are well equipped to deal with this, and I'm excited to see what you know. You've got one of the most impressive uh, audience uh, bases and members. These guys really shape the future of the industry, and I and I hope everyone listening, um, you know, takes that task. It's inspirational to be responsible for how the future of office is going to look, and the big companies. You guys are the best position to do this. Okay, excellent. Well, this has been great, Zane. Um, thanks so very much for sharing uh, these insights with us. We appreciate it and look forward to speaking with you again soon. 
Great. Thank you. And it's awesome being a member. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.